Welcome to Because We Make, the podcast about making, creativity, and why we do what we do as makers and creatives. I'm your host, Vincent Ferrari, and joining me as always, my good friend and co-host, Ms. Brooke Deneau. Hi, Brooke. Hello, Vincent. We're back and better than ever. It's only been a week. I was going to say better than ever. It's a very short ever. <laughs> very short ever. How was your How was your week? Did you do anything exciting? Oh, we had the best week. We were in Rhode Island um, for almost the whole week. And it was really, really fun. We go, we spend a lot of time down there, but it's off season and there's something extra special about going in the off season because it's not as crowded and just really good quality time and wasn't in the shop much, but it was a great week nonetheless. That's okay. The stories were, the stories were pretty epic. Oh yeah. Did you see those? (laughs) I did. (laughs) I did. For one brief moment, I thought that the, one of the pictures actually was what you said one of the pictures was. And I'm like, what you would be surprised how many people like don't i don't know i'm really sarcastic in my stories and so i have fun with it but you'd be surprised how many people ask for clarification and stuff i I really need to knock it off because it's like oh shoot i was too sarcastic again but it's all good it's all good (laughs) that's that's great you you were you look like you were just like completely decompressing you and michael were having a great time it was fun to watch oh it was the best it was the absolute best best. How are and you doing, Vincent? I am doing great. I finished over the weekend. I finished moving. That's a so, big deal. Yeah. So like all finished, my stuff. Finished, like last box is unpacked. No, no, no. Nowhere okay. near that. Like finished. All the stuff is out of the house and in either my the new building where my shop is or my apartment and currently being worked on. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, it's kind, it's kind of crazy. Like walking out of that house yesterday for the last time was really really i mean I, we were only there 10 years That's but you know it was walking out of that house it was knowing that beth was at her apartment and i'm at mine and it's like wow there's a lot of upheaval going on all at once right now and it was it can be hard it's it can be really hard i think i, I texted this to you like sometimes it's easier to get attached to like places than anything else because they seem so permanent and then it changes and it throws everything off yeah, hundred. It feels 100%. like it throws everything off. It doesn't throw everything off. You're still yourself, it, and you'll be good. Yeah, it, it kind of it, but it kind of did for me because I wasn't expecting to feel those things yesterday. Yeah, you know, I was like, oh, okay, I'm gonna plow through this, get done, and I'm gonna have my victory dinner afterwards. <laughs> and honestly, like, by the time I got home, I didn't even want. I didn't even want to do anything. Like I just sat on the couch and watched YouTube until bedtime. Like I was know what? not that's good. Sometimes, sometimes that's all you need. Yep. But for those of you that have been checking in on me, thank you. I'm doing okay. And especially after my story yesterday, by the way, I don't usually get that much interaction on my stories, but I got 475 views on that one story. I never get that many. I usually get like 200. So I don't know, maybe I should be sad more often. It seems to be <laughs> yeah, just, good for business. <laughs> mental mental breakdowns play play really well on the internet. They really do. That, that was a joke. That. that was a joke. People you do. do no, it wasn't. That's the thing. <laughs> it <laughs> wasn't. But anyway, yeah, that was my story. Oh, also, um, just a quick thank you to everyone that expressed support after Brooke's first episode last week. That was yeah, thanks, wonderful. Everybody. You are beloved already, which is nice. But long-term fans of the show already knew who you are anyway, so it's not it's not a big surprise. It's just the people that don't know were probably a little bit like, uh oh, new host. And then they just like, oh no, it's this chick's cool. Like we like her. Oh, I super appreciate it. Yeah. You got everyone a that lot was so of, nice. You got a lot of I mean, at least to at least to me, 
I got a lot of like excellent choice, excellent choice. So I'm glad. I'm glad people people really like you. So let's ruin it. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so we have a we have a great guest this week, but this is something that we're going to break with tradition on this show a little more than we're used to doing. You guys are probably not going to be used to hearing this, but this is going to happen more often. Um, Brooke made a recommendation for this week's guest, and I thought since Brooke and this person are already friends, it would be great for Brooke to introduce her. So why don't you tell us a little bit about our guest? All right, here I go. First introduction. <laughs> Today's <laughs> guest is Boston-based artist Dahlia Raz, the wonderful, the great... <laughs> hey no Dahlia, wonderful. how are you doing? I'm doing great. Oh my goodness. I've had to be silent while you guys are saying hilarious things for like five minutes now. So <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I can laugh out loud. <laughs> She's here. I'm so excited to be here. Oh my goodness. First of all, Brooke, thank you for bringing me on, Vincent. It's so exciting to meet you. This is awesome. She, um, It's, it's very funny you say that because there was a, an episode, the last episode that Brooke and Michael were on uh, last year. There was a funny moment where I said something funny and Brooke just starts laughing. And I'm like, I'm talking here. You you haven't been introduced. Why are you laughing? And I'm like, I am a chronic giggler. I just you giggle. Are. And I just, I, I can't I just, help it. I rolled with it. And I was just like, well, you've heard her. Here's our guest. The, <laughs> Brooke and Michael from Maker's Workshop. Hi, Love everybody. that. <laughs> you, sometimes you just got to go with it. You just got to so go. So true. Just got to roll with it. When you want to laugh, it's painful not to. Exactly. It is. Oh my gosh. I've just been sitting here like silently, like blowing air out of my nose for five minutes. I swear. <laughs> so Dahlia, Brooke introduced me to your stuff and I really dig your style. I mean, Thank I, you. I appreciate really, that. really dig your style. It's, it's, it's weird. It's interesting and it's colorful and it's, it's, you remind me in a, in like a more surrealist way of the color style that like Kat Leapins uses. Kat Leapins is, was a guest on this podcast. She's known for doing very bright, colorful, punchy art, and she's super duper talented. And cool. your styles aren't the same, but your love of crazy color kind of is. And I, I'm really, really, I'm really enthralled with the stuff that you make. Like, Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, you're working on the the most recent thing you're working on because I've been watching your stories and stuff. You've been working on these um, this thrift store window display. Yes, and tell us about is, the thrift store, thrift store Dahlia because I know yes. that there was a long backstory to it too. Ooh, that makes me so happy for you, like extra happy for you. Ooh, Thank this you. sounds intriguing. Yeah, so I moved to this area a few years ago in 2019, and I looked up thrift stores near me, and I found this thrift store, Global Thrift Store in Waltham, Massachusetts. It's on Moody Street, which is like the main street here in Waltham. And I just started shopping there and buying things to paint on, to bleach draw on, to just... I just bought a lot of things to change and to decorate and to make really fun in my style or what it was at the time in 2019. It's changed a lot since then. So I had been tagging this store for about three years on social media. And the owner a few months ago <laughs> saw that I was tagging her or tagging the store. And she was like, you are super cool. Do you want to talk about collaborating? I was like, well, I love global thrift. 
Yes. Uh, so I had a I've phone call with the old this moment my whole life. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, oh, I thought you'd never ask. Um, <laughs> so we had a phone call and talked about so many fun ideas. And then she was like, what do you think of doing a window display for the store? And I was like, let's hear more about what you have for ideas. She's like, nope, it's a blank canvas. What do you have for ideas? Ooh, and so cool. I just had all of these concepts that had been building up in me for so long. These ideas of painting on furniture, doing an immersive mural, like ceiling to floor mural and that's what it is it's just an immersive experience I was like can I make a trippy living room and she's like yup here you go do it and mm. she the, the owner of the store is just so wonderful and supportive it's been amazing working with her like it's just been so wonderful so I have been working for about a month now on this window display and just painting different pieces of furniture. I've had people, you know, that I know via social media and via real life come in to help me with painting, which has been so fun to just see what support I'm getting from the community. And oh my goodness, the videos have been blowing up on Instagram, which has been just <laughs> insane, the growth they I've really seen from are. this project. Yeah, the one of the videos is almost at 4 million views, which is just crazy that's the most I've ever gotten so awesome and you so deserve it because it's coming Thank out you. so incredibly well um, I appreciate we that we can't wait to come see it in person yeah I'm so excited to have you come see it Vincent yeah. you're invited too I know you're a bit further away but you're of course invited as well <laughs> I, drove, I drove to Cleveland I will drive to Boston that oh my gosh come no visit problem. do it hundred percent I hear there's a cool window display in Waltham a really cool oh. one <laughs> I have, right it's like it's like is it Saks Fifth Avenue what window display are you going no I'm going to a thrift store oh yeah Waltham <laughs> exactly and that's sort of what we wanted we're like it's a place not a lot of people would think of to put their art in and I feel like the owner and I the owner of the store and myself we just really saw the potential of this window and we're like we can do a lot here there's a lot of potential mm -hmm. for both of us in this I project awesome. I think it's awesome that you got so much creative control because that was going to be one of my questions is how much did you get to pick what happened um she basically was like this is the budget this is the time frame what can you do and I was like okay so here's my concept so sometimes I throw concepts at her and she's like oh that might not work in this space but most of the time I'm like oh what do you think of like a couch and a few chairs and this and that and lighting and this and that and she's like awesome love it so for the most part like almost every idea I've thrown at her she's loved and been really supportive of so thank you I don't know if she wants me to say her name or not so I'll just say thank you to the owner of the store uh, because she's been so supportive and amazing of my creative vision do they do they typically do they typically work with artists or is this just something where it was like you just fell into it because you got their attention through Instagram or how do they generally do things? Yeah. So this is the first time they've done anything of this nature. It's their vision to keep awesome. creating a space for artists. That's really the owner's vision for what we're doing. Okay. Uh, that this sort of what I'm doing will create space for more artists to collaborate with the store. But this is the first time they've done anything of this nature. Uh, the owner, she's just so supportive she really wants to support other artists other creative entrepreneurs and we just connected and I feel like I can really talk to her about a lot of stuff it's great so uh but the vision really is to bring more artists into the store and so if there are other artists from the Boston area who want to be involved like send me a dm and we can talk that's yeah. that's fantastic. So I have to ask, and it's the first thing I thought of when I saw you doing all these cool. So for, I started seeing you do all these cool chairs, and then it clicked. Like, wait a minute, a window display? Oh, this is for an actual store. So 
the question that I'm sure anyone who sees this would ask is what's going to happen to this stuff after the window display is over? Like, are they going to yeah. auction it? Or is are they going to sale? Is it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's going to be for sale. Um, the awesome. owner of the store said I can sell everything from there. Uh, so once the window display is over, basically all the furniture will be for sale for people to have as furniture pieces in their home. Oh, boy. I think I really so cool wish I didn't know that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Come on, Vincent. Just hop in the car. Come to Boston. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> Strap it. It to the, strap it to the roof and bring it home. <laughs> Why not? Why not? You have a new place, Vincent, that needs furnishing, I'm assuming. It's true. Yeah. Yep. I think wow. what's so cool about it, Dolly, and what makes me so happy for you is that it's the first time the thrift stores are doing this and you're crushing it, which is obviously awesome for you, but also hopefully paving the way for other artists as well. I think that's so yeah. neat. And I love that you were just so persistent with it. Thank you. And yeah, you, that's what we really wanted. Like tagging the store. It's like you got to like manifest what you want, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I just kept tagging them. And eventually I was like, oh, maybe they'll notice. Maybe they won't. But I'm going to tag them because it's a store I love. You know, at the time I was tagging them, I had a much smaller audience. But still, I was like, maybe local people will find the store. And it's a great resource. Their stuff is really reasonably priced. Like, it's just a great store. Like, where else are you going to find $6 jeans? So <laughs> it, it's and just been an awesome chairs, place for okay. me to... What? And fish chairs. And fish chairs now. Yes, <laughs> fish chairs. Well, yeah. One of, one of the most interesting things I've I've noticed through your feed is that you don't really do, you don't really paint on things. You tend to paint, like, I, I guess you would call it, you know, pardon my layman speak, but you tend to paint like flat stuff, you know, canvas, <laughs> whatever. And was it a challenge to kind of get used to painting on all the sides and kind of making things kind of blend together? Or is it just not that big a deal? And I'm probably overthinking it. Um, that's a great question. I would say that it wasn't that big of a challenge because I actually painted on a lot of clothing before. Oh, okay, so okay. I worked with a lot of three-dimensional things because of the clothing. And I would say furniture is actually easier than clothing because furniture stands up on its own. Clothing, you have to keep turning it around or you need a model or that. A chair sits in its place. A chair is a wonderful model. I also love having like Brooke has modeled for me before and like worn a dress while I painted it and that's super fun. But this is just really easy to do sort of as a solo project, I would say, because I can just sit with this chair for hours and it's not going anywhere. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, that's I love I love, you know, I love how everything kind of the sides and the back of the stuff that you've done so far, like it's all connected. It Thank you. Like I just I don't know. There's something interesting about the way you connect all the sides of the of the chairs that you've done. And I even like like the ottoman, right? A simple ottoman, but you did the top one way and then you did the sides just differently. And it's like, that's kind of a cool vibe. I, I don't know. It's just, there's a certain vision to the way you've decided to color these and just, I really dig it. I really Thank dig you. it. I'm, I feel like I'm fanboying a little bit, but I just, <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> like Bert said, um, your style is very much in line with things I like. And I'm just like, I as, as we're you. talking, I'm just scrolling through your feed and just smiling because I'm like, I'm love, yeah. I love how weird and colorful everything is. Thank you. That's the idea. Yeah. I have a question, Dolly. How much do you plan things out? Because I've seen you work before. Do you plan what it's going to look like or do you just dive in and let it be what it's going to be? 
I do both, but mostly I don't plan, honestly. Um, I will, you know, for sometimes for some of the chairs I did for the window display, for example, I'd be like, oh, this is going to be ocean themed, but I didn't plan, oh, these are the types of animals I'm going to have in it. I was just like, you know what? Let's add two sea snakes. Why not? <laughs> you know, I didn't really like plan it out, but sometimes I'll give myself certain, you know, motif ideas or themes, I would say. I give myself themes to work within sometimes, and sometimes I don't. Sometimes the theme is, what am I in the mood to draw today? You want to draw three strawberries? Sure. You want to draw a banana? Go for it. Like, sometimes I just let myself draw whatever I'm in the mood to do, and sometimes I'll give myself a theme and use that sort of as a limitation within which I can be creative. I also love how many, like... I would almost call them characters like in your stuff, like the, yeah. the chameleon and the blobfish and the For mushrooms. And it's like pizza and has butterfly wings is my favorite. <laughs> I actually have that tattooed on my thigh. You really? I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Well, Brooke, you and I met in the fall. You've never seen me wear shorts. So <laughs> I, don't think I have seen you wear shorts. Have I? <laughs> yeah, no, I have my left leg has a butterfly raccoon holding a pizza on my thigh. I have a tomato frog with mushrooms growing out of it. I have a blobfish and an eye and those are my tattoos thus far. But stay tuned, everyone. There will be and more. Dahlia tattoos herself. Are we allowed to say that? Is that okay to say? You know what? It's it's probably I what am I gonna say? It's pro I would I would question the wisdom of doing it, but the results seem I to do be too. Okay. I do too. No, whenever I talk about tattooing myself, I'm like, that is not a recommendation. That is simply a poor life decision of mine. <laughs> <laughs> like please do not be inspired by me. But if you're gonna do it, please be safe. Yeah, please be safe. The most the important thing is that you're safe about it. It's really funny because the, the only time you'd think of somebody tatting themselves would be in prison. And it's like, well, you're clearly not in prison. So no. at, least it's, at least it's art tattoos. Just in my art studio. And I do it in a super clean way. Mm. Nonetheless, that is not a recommendation. I like to make that very, very clear. But I know a lot of people who do tattoo themselves. So if you're going to do it, be safe. That's the most important thing. I have to I have to ask this because you know whenever I see somebody that has a really unique style you know it's clear that you know you can look at like people who do realism right and you can look at realism and go all right well it's clear where you how you learned how to do this right it's just the mm -hmm. style there isn't much of a style to realism as much as it's replicating what's in the real world whereas when you switch over to this more psychedelic crazy stuff you kind of have to develop your own style you oh, yeah. you, you you start, you know, I'm always curious when I see stuff like this, like, how did you, let's go back to your roots a little bit. Where did you get, when did you get started with art? And then when did you, when do you feel like your style really started to kick in and develop and become what we see today? Those are good questions. So I started, I always made art since mm -hmm. I was a kid. You know, I always say I always had the crayons in my hand, like any kid, but I just never put the crayons down. <laughs> Um, and that's sort of my journey with art. I made a lot of art. I grew up with a lot of creative people around me. I'm fortunate to be able to say that. My grandmother is a sculptor. She's an amazing artist. And she taught me a lot of my art skills. So from a young age, like I tried oil painting for the first time when I was nine years old because she had oil wow. paints. Um, wow. I was really lucky to have my grandmother growing up to teach me all these things. She's still around. She's amazing. And she's taught me a lot when it comes to my skills. So a lot of my initial skills came from my grandmother because she's a very technical artist. We are very different artists, I would say. She's very into realism. 
She does a lot of sculptures of people, birds, things like that. She does very realistic things. So I learned a lot of technical skills from her, as well as in school, from YouTube, from books. I learned a lot just educating myself and from her. Wow. And yeah. So and you, you, so wait, she so she was doing like more like realist art, like you know, actual real world things, or was she kind of out there like your style? No, she does very realistic things. Recently, she cool. actually made a sculpture inspired by my style, which is completely different from hers. It's incredible. It's a bronze cool. sculpture with like mushrooms and raccoons and different things like that. So she made one inspired by me as a gift for me, which was just incredible. Oh, wow. um, is there yeah, a she, anywhere? I'd love to see. Um, I think I posted it just on my story, but I need to make a video of it because I had my sister record my reaction to seeing it for the first time. So Aww, I should definitely. Yeah, it, it's incredible. I mean, I've been very lucky to have another artist in the family. I really have been. Um, so she, when I was five, I got for my birthday a bronze sculpture of myself, and it was me <laughs> on my fourth birthday. She took a picture of me, just like sitting eating an ice cream cone for my fourth birthday and she made it into a sculpture and her technical skills are out of this world she is an amazing artist so when i was in high school i would spend the summers with her and we would sit she'd be like okay we're doing a portrait of your grandfather today and then he would just sit and read the newspaper and we would sketch him for an hour and wow. so i got a lot of those technical skills from her and i'm very lucky to have had that um after that i after high school i went to art school for a year I uh, I hated it. I hated it greatly. And I still have a lot of resentment, you could say, towards it. It was just not... It was a place that really killed my creativity. I think art school is great for a lot of people. It really is. But for me, it really had the opposite effect of what it should have had. Wow. Um, I think a lot of people feel that way, though, Dahlia. So I really yeah, yeah. think that that's something you so openly talk about. Because it's, it's important on it at all. Um, but it is important to have information I, I think it's just important to be real about it I think yeah mm -hmm. that it's not for everyone it's not it's for not. everyone and that's okay like it is for some people so I'm not never going to be like it's for no one I know people for whom it built their careers but that's not true for everyone and I know a lot of people who are just not built for art school and who art school actually has a detrimental effect on them the way it had on me mm -hmm. yeah that's so it's something I talk very openly about about like thinking about art school, you know, I came from a high school where it was like, oh, which college are you going to? It wasn't yeah. which path are you going on? It was which college are you going to? Yeah. And so I went to art school, but I realized like that just was not the right setting for me. So after a year, I dropped out and I just really explored a lot of art on my own. I read a lot of books. I went to workshops with different artists. I practiced a lot on my own and really developed my style from there. So I was 19 when I dropped out. And I did a lot of different art. I painted a lot of people. I actually started in realism. So I did a lot of realistic oil paintings of people. I have a lot of portraits I did of people from when I was living in the Boston area on my own uh, right after I dropped out. And after that, I did a road trip I, across the country for nine months. I traveled and made a lot of travel art and painted a lot of people along the way. And then I came back and I was just sort of, you know, COVID. I was stuck at home. Um, well, right before that, sorry, I totally skipped over a big important section. I used to go to the Harvard Museum of Natural History a lot and I would draw mm -hmm. the animals there. 
There's a lot of taxidermied animals there. And I would just sit and draw them for hours. I lived five minutes from that museum for a long time. So that's how that started. And then I also lived next to the library. So I would gather books and I would just draw like mushrooms from books with natural illustrations of mushrooms. Or I would draw flowers from the flower shop down the street. And eventually those things started to come together, but I didn't really do too much with it. I would draw fish with mushrooms growing out of them. And I did that for a long time. (laughs) And then I'll skip back to what I was saying before. Then I was at home. COVID hit. We were all stuck in the house. And I was like, okay, what do I do now? And I was like, I just want to paint big. I want to be expressive. I want to do things that are joyful. No one needs my sadness. The world needs my joy. Mm -hmm. So I started painting these big, colorful versions of those original illustrations from way back when. And I started making videos about it. And I would also give art advice in those videos and just tell people not to be so hard on themselves when they're creating, to be a better friend to themselves, to criticize themselves less or not even to criticize themselves at all. Mm-hmm. And that's how it started. So that really started in like January of 2020. I was home. I was creating. And I started really sharing on TikTok. That's where I started sharing. And eventually that led to Instagram as well. And I've just been creating this colorful style ever since. And I call it imperfectionism. It's about not being perfect. And it's about leaning into the imperfection. It's not about fearing it. It's about being like, okay, I'm scared of being imperfect. So I'm going to be even more imperfect. And that's really led to where I am today is just not being scared of the of not being good enough, being like, it's okay to not be perfect. It's okay to just create. And this ties into the theme of your book, which is a really cool concept for a book. It's called S art is better than no art. (laughs) And I'm, I'm, I'm pretty impressed that you even, that you even wrote that because it's something that um, Ethan and I used to talk about all the time where people are so scared that they're Mm going to put something out and it's not going to be great. Yeah. that they just don't put out anything at all. Oh yeah. And, I and always it's, say it's, that. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because I you know, some of your stuff is clearly, you know, more like a sketchy just loosely colored. Some of your stuff is clearly very detailed and highly, you know, but you put out you're very prolific. You put out a lot of stuff. Oh yeah. And I'm sure that I'm sure that and I don't mean it I take this with as the compliment it's intended as, but I'm sure you look at some of it and go, I don't want to put that out. And you put it out anyway because oh, you know, yeah. it's better to put it out than to care. not put it out. A hundred percent. And I do take that as a compliment because I do that very intentionally. A lot of people will be like, oh, I'm not gonna put out my art because I don't like it. I'm like, why are you the judge? There are so many judgmental people on the internet waiting for something to judge. Give it to them. Let that be their job. It's no longer your job to judge. It's their job. I I did Inktober this past year. And nearly every single thing I did, I decided I wasn't going to do it with a pen and ink because it's just not my vibe. But I started wanting to learn how to do Procreate better. Mm -hmm. So I literally would sit there with Procreate every night and I would draw whatever was the prompt. And almost everything that went up in the month of October that I drew was complete trash. I I readily admit it. But one thing I was very proud of is that from the beginning of October to the end of October, you could clearly see that I was getting the hang of it and my drawings were getting better. I love that. Even if they were trash, Mm -hmm. they were better trash than they started as. And it's, I think that one of the things that, you know, one of the messages that you put out in the book you know, S art is better than no art. Well, I put out a month's worth of S art, but (laughs) I really started to feel like I was enjoying it toward the end of the month where it was like, oh, 
this isn't the chore it was at the beginning of the month. I'm oh, yeah. really digging yeah, this and I'm feeling like a muscle. Yeah, it is. And that's one of the things that's one of the things I talk about in the book. I say you would never go to the gym after years of not working out and say, I'm going to find out if I'm in shape, if I'm naturally in shape. Let's go to the gym and find out. And then you wouldn't be disappointed when you realize after years of not working out, you're not in shape. You wouldn't say, okay, then I give up on the gym. I'm not naturally in shape. No one is naturally in shape. shape. You have to keep going to the gym. You have to show up. You have to make the bad art in order to make the good art. You have to. That is the art equivalent of the gym is making the bad art. You go to the gym the first day after not working out, it's going to be tough. But you're going to keep doing it and you're not going to be like, well, I'm not naturally good at this. So never mind. And a lot of people treat art that way. They're like, oh, if I'm not naturally good at it, that means I'll never be good at it. I'm like, you wouldn't you wouldn't treat the gym that way. Why do you treat art that way? Right. I totally agree with you, Dahlia. And I and I think we've had times where I've challenged myself to be very prolific and make things. And sometimes something that I've noticed is that I'll not even really think about what I'm making. And oftentimes things that I didn't think very much of when I was making them, I'll look back on a year later and be like, dang, that was, I really liked what I did and I didn't really even fully appreciate it. And it's, it's when, when I can get into the zone of not thinking about it that way. Oh yeah. It's like a mindset shift where you just have to totally not care about what it looks like. And And it's amazing. It's the best. Yeah. And people, if you put your work out there, people will criticize you. I'm not going to tell anyone otherwise. I'm like, when you are putting your work out on the internet or showing your friends or your family, someone's going to say something really mean about it. And here's the thing. It doesn't matter. It It just doesn't matter. They're going to say the mean thing, but are they creating anything? Are they creating anything at all? Why do you value their judgment? They're not. not. And also it's okay. The fact that someone thinks you're making bad art was making good art the goal for me. Making good art isn't the goal. It's to have fun. What even is good art? That's exactly. It's such an abstract concept. One of the most famous comedians of all time is Gallagher. Okay. Now look, I'm not going to rag on Gallagher. I love Gallagher. I mean, smashing watermelons with a giant mallet is always funny to me. It's always going to be funny to me, no matter what. Right. His comedy (laughs) was, his comedy was okay. He was a funny guy, but was he great? No. But would anyone look at him and go, no, this is high art. No. But did he get out on stage constantly and do his thing? Damn right he did because yeah. he liked doing it. And I feel like with creative pursuits, I like with, I like the analogy to a gym. You know, people think you have to be naturally, you know, you wouldn't look at the gym and say, I'm not naturally physically gifted. I shouldn't go to the gym or the gym is not for me. I love this idea that creativity in general is like that, where people, oh yeah, that it's art, art overlaps creativity more than people think. Even if you don't consider yourself an artist, the mindset of someone who creates something, you know, whether you consider yourself a traditional artist, or if you're just a maker, like an artisan, I should say, Mm -hmm. it's, it's all the same. It's all the same mindset. And we go through the same mental challenges, the idea of, I'm not going to post a picture of that it didn't turn out perfect or yeah, I'm, not I'm, good enough. I really and here's like the thing him. about perfection. Sorry to interrupt, but here's no, the thing about perfection. It. It's in the eye of the beholder. Even if you're like, I made the perfect thing. No one could possibly criticize it. Someone will still criticize it. So oh who cares? Right. And what's funny is cool. what's funny is I often have the opposite problem. Like I'll look at something and I'll go, this isn't good enough. Like I had someone in my shop one day, I had a bunch of stuff, like what I was calling my imperfections. Right. 
mm-hmm. I had a bunch of stuff off to the side, and she came in the shop, and she looked at you. This is beautiful. Yeah. We want exactly that will happen too. Finish? Are you going to finish these? I'm like, no, that's garbage. She goes, <laughs> oh no, it's not. Yeah. And then I went to. So it's very funny. I went to Emily Joyce's home studio. And, you know, we I was looking at her stuff and she puts a cup on one of her workbenches and shows it to me. She goes, just so you know, not everything turns out perfect. Here's my, here's my, what I call my shit work. <laughs> and I'm like, you're what? And she goes, yeah, this is the stuff that's not good enough. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. The either your standards is- are ridiculously high or your definition of that word is very different from mine. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> I sincerely think, because I remind myself this all the time, like no one cares that much either, but I don't Mm -hmm. say that in a belittling way. Like I say it in an empowering way where it's like, no one cares that much. Like no Mm -hmm. one's going to stare at it as hard as you are. They're going to know how it made them feel or if it made them smile or whatever. That's what they care about. Yeah. Sometimes in terms of making like quote unquote good art. Oh yeah. But my, you know, it's, it's interesting because it's like the guys, you know, my dad was, my dad was a carpenter. So he was the guy. It was funny reading Steve Jobs' the book about Steve Jobs. I forgot the name of the guy who wrote it. It was Walter the, the Isaacson. Bit. Yes, that's the one. Bam. Thank you. Um, <laughs> wow, you had that right at the tip of your tongue. That's impressive. I knew you guys would get along. <laughs> um, that book. That book was amazing. And one of the stories he tells in the book was that his dad was painting. I believe it was either painting fences or painting cabinets. I'm trying to remember which it was. But he was like he or finishing, and he always finished the back. And Steve would always be like, "Well, why are you finishing the back? No one knows it's there." And he always said. I do. Mm -hmm. And my dad was the same way. He would finish the backs of cabinets that got attached to the wall. And he's like, and I would always ask like, isn't that going on the wall? He's like, yeah, but I know it's not finished until that's finished. And And what do you think about that? Do you think that's the right approach or the wrong approach? Well, it's funny because now as an adult, I look at that and I go, is it my approach? Maybe not to the degree it was his, but I understand it a lot better. Like Mm -hmm. to me, it just seemed like a wasteful endeavor to you know, do some, do work on something no one would ever see. But when you take pride in your stuff, there's a certain amount of, I know it's there and I won't be happy if it's not there, you know, even Hmm. if it's not a perfect finish, maybe I didn't (laughs) sand it, but I am, I'm just as careful with the bottoms of my cutting boards now as I am with the top of them. That's so interesting. Nobody cares. I'm I'm so the opposite. Same. (laughs) If a paint job's on the back, I'm like, no. Nope. Okay, like, <laughs> like, looking at my cabinet right now, I'm like, there's no paint on the it. back. What, yeah. Brooke? Sorry, I interrupted you. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, you're you're the guest, Dahlia. You say your thing. <laughs> oh, good. No, I was going to say, I was looking at a cabinet in my studio right now. I'm like, there's no paint on the back. It's just <laughs> no. wood. Like, the front is purple. Yeah. Like, I'm so not that way. I'm but- like... I, I don't even, I lower my standards so much. And that's the only way I can produce the amounts that I do is to be like, yeah. I will do the product that needs to be done. But if no one's seeing the back, I'm not doing the back. But there's it's just a not similarity. Happening. But here's, here's the interesting thing. There's a similarity, even though you and I are slightly different in the way we perceive this, there's a similarity in that we're not doing it for other people either way. Exactly. Yeah, I just yeah. want to say that you have your way that you do it. Right, your it's paint no one's no going to convince me otherwise that I, yeah. should, that I should care about the paint job that's in the back. Exactly. Exactly. And you're you're do, you're leaving it because you want to, and I'm doing it because I want to. It's not because somebody that. says I'm paying you to paint all the sides. No one's ever saying that. Like, no. no. Well, so. I mean, if I'm yeah, yeah, and I, and I think also I don't. This ties in a little bit to something that Dolly was saying earlier. But a word that always makes me not cringe, but whenever I hear it used in conjunction with like artists or creatives of any sort, is like the talented word. Oh my gosh! Mm-hmm. And you were going to say talent. It, 
I, I, I find it so dismissive. And I totally understand that when people say it, it's just meant as a compliment and I'm the one that's like cringing. It can no be cares. dismissive though. I'm so dismissive because I think that creativity is a muscle and you practice. Mm-hmm. And to just be like, oh, that person's so talented. Sure, maybe certain things people can pick up a little bit quicker than others, maybe. But that's like the first three steps. The hard Agreed. part is sticking with something. Even if you're naturally talented, sticking with Mm -hmm. something that you're naturally quote unquote talented at for 12 years or 10 years or five years, even to practice, that's way harder. Yeah. And yeah. So, and it's, and it's interesting because I think the more you practice, the more, you know, I leave the back of the cabinet without finish on it because that's (laughs) what works for me. Yeah. (laughs) And so to look at anybody else's work and insinuate like, oh, that's bad art. That's good art or whatever. It's, it's just, it has never really jived for me. Yeah. I've always think people have a messed up definition of the word talent to begin with. Mm -hmm. You know, talent has nothing to do with creativity. Talent is just the speed that you pick up a skill. It's Hmm. really all it is. It's not about it. That's interesting. Talent doesn't make you more creative. Talent makes you pick up, like, for example, if you're used to working with alcohol markers and somebody hands you Mm -hmm. colored pencils, talent probably would dictate a more talented person would pick up both mediums relatively quickly with very little effort, whereas someone who, but doesn't necessarily imply that they're creative with what they do, whereas someone who's less talented, it might take a little more actual elbow grease and work and study and practice to get good at something, but they could still achieve the same level and might even surpass if they're, you know, if their creativity factor is higher. Like I'm pretty tall. So like I'm talented at picking up things off of high shelves, Mm -hmm. but that is the least interesting thing about me. Yeah. (laughs) I always say to people, I'm like, I always give the compliment you're skilled because I feel like that is a much higher compliment. And that Mm -hmm. actually acknowledges the time it takes to build a skill. And it makes it seem like something that's attainable to others. If I say I am so talented, I'm so lucky to be talented. That makes it seem like no one else can do what I'm doing. And I'm like, if you put in the time, if you draw every day, like I have for the past 20 years, then yeah, you can also be this quote unquote talented. Yeah, but it's, it's a skill. It's and the acceleration curve. That's 100%. what talented really is. I like it's that the acceleration curve. It's you're you're picking you pick up things faster, and your curve of you know your relationship to time over time over what you produce mm-hmm. is more of a straight line up than someone who isn't naturally talented. A hundred percent. More like a forty-five degree angle, which is fine. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. Everybody progresses at their own pace, but there's nothing wrong with progressing slowly. You can yeah. get there. You can you can get to a good level of art, at least technically, yeah. with work. You can. Yeah. You, you just can. It's not it's not out of reach. What you can't do is infuse creativity that you just are if you're you can be a creative person, mm-hmm. but there's clearly people who are more creative than others. I mean, it's just it's yeah, just a practice. fact, right? You practice, yeah. Doesn't you do practice. Can I tell you guys a little anecdote? Yes, I love it. I have a good story about how I actually started drawing that I forgot in the rest of my life story that I gave earlier. But I think it's a very important one that very much ties into what we're saying. When I was like five, six, seven, something like that years old, I was watching the TV show Arthur because, you know, that's what you watched in the early show. PBS. Yes. Great show. By the way. 
amazing. So I was watching it, and there's a segment where they have kids talk to adults. Like, they have a segment with real people, not the animation. And there was a child who asked an adult who was an architect, how did you become an architect? What advice do you have for me, a kid, who wants to be an architect? And she said, draw every day starting right now. And after I watched that show, I drew almost every day of my life since I was like six years old. So when I say I've been practicing for 20 years, I mean that. I, ever since I watched that TV show, I was an intense kid. I will tell you that, but it's taken me very far. I swear it. Being an intense kid pays off as an adult. Oh, for sure. No, and I think so. That's my little anecdote. I love, I love that little anecdote, and I and you touched upon this before, but I want to circle back to it because we grew up in a similar area, Dahlia, and you talked mm-hmm. about how where we grew up when you're in high school. There's this huge pressure on where you go to college mm-hmm. and performing as well as you can, quote unquote, well as you can. And, and, mm-hmm. and it's just almost an expectation. It, it goes, beyond, oh, yeah. oh, wow, wouldn't that be great? It's just an expectation that you'll achieve really, really high. And there's this and, and like you said, you went to art school because you're supposed to go to school. You know, you're supposed yeah. to go do it this way. So you felt like you had to, you know, do that. And I think it's insane in our area, like dropping out of art school after your first year is like quote unquote stereotypical like failing which oh, I think yeah. is so funny when you hear you talk about how hard you were working during that chapter of your life to practice mm-hmm. going to museums drawing doing all those things it's so it's just such an interesting contrast yeah I worked hard you know, grew up in this yeah. area as well oh yeah you get it we grew up town next to town funny enough and we're not yeah. that far apart in age so around the same time we were at <laughs> schools that were probably like 15 minutes apart yeah which is so crazy but um yeah no there definitely there was a lot of judgment when I dropped out there were very few people who thought it was a good idea or who Mm -hmm. believed in me I always give credit to my my mother's parents were like what can we do to help you like a lot of people are saying you're making a mistake we don't think that we support you and they have been there for me since (laughs) like awesome that you have yeah because I think a lot of people probably wouldn't yeah Um, I was very lucky to have them because every almost not everyone, but a lot of people didn't believe in me. I had a select few friends, but like one of my closest friends at that time was like, Dahlia, you're making a mistake. You're going to fail. It's not going to work out. Clearly her and I aren't friends anymore because I'm like, you know what? If you don't believe in me, you don't get to be in my life. That's my new standard for friendship. Well, I, I really I, appreciate that about you, Dahlia. Thank I love you. To, I love <laughs> Unapologetic. To bring, I yeah, love you're going to be. <laughs> I love to bring up Jimmy DeResta when people say something like that, because he said something on making it once that was just the greatest thing I ever heard. He said, if you want to know who your true friends are or should be, just go at them and tell them, go over to your closest friend or who you think is your closest mm-hmm. friend. Tell them your most crazy, crazy idea, like okay. your your most bonkers idea that you want to pursue mm-hmm. and get the reaction. If the reaction oh, yeah. is anything but what cool, let's go for it. That person's not your friend. Find your friends. Wow. It's like, yes. Damn. That is awesome. A hundred percent. And it was tough at the time losing close friends, Mm -hmm. some family members. It was tough. I'm not going to tell anyone. It's really easy to create boundaries. So easy. Like it's not, it's really tough, but it's worth it. I have to ask this because it it hasn't come up yet. And I'm, I'm just curious in general, you're Jewish. Mm -hmm. Um, I am. You're very very openly Jewish. Yeah. I I say openly Jewish like it's something people hide. That was great. There are a lot of people who hide it that I know, like very successful influencers who don't talk about it publicly. So that's what I was going to ask you. So, you know, art, I know there are Jewish artists. I'm not saying there aren't, but 
the Jew, the Jewish people I know in New York, I mean, my ex-wife, my future ex-wife, I don't know what to call you. I'm sorry if you're listening. Um, it's all, it, we're in that awkward stage right now, yeah. but, um, I, I, the Jewish people I've met throughout my life mm-hmm. generally wouldn't approve of an art endeavor. <laughs> they would okay. much more prefer you go huh. I, d- stereotypically to, yeah. to medical school or law school or, you know, anything professional so that they can sit around with their friends and talk about how successful their kid is. By the way, that stereotype is 100% true. That is not a stereotype. That I is think- true. And I'm just wondering, like, how, you know, you said you had friends that weren't on board with this. You know, you I know your mom was an artist, but what was, you know. My grandmother. Is, I'm sorry, your grandmother. What is the general consensus among your family about what you do and how you do it? That is a good question. First of all, thank you for asking so openly and honestly. I feel like a lot of people are scared to touch identity when it comes to religion or anything mm-hmm. like that. They're like, oh, I don't want to say anything offensive. It's hard to offend me. I Always ask about, me. And- I worry about offense, but I also I also know that it's not intended maliciously. Oh, so, yeah. yeah, very clearly so. Yeah, in a very so I'm, thank you for asking. That. Yeah. yeah. Sure. So, yeah, I come from um, a lot of the friends who didn't support the art thing weren't Jewish friends. They were just like, you know, just random friends I had met at art school or wherever who were just very fearful in life. Mm-hmm. Um, my family in the beginning, some of them didn't really get it. In all honesty, they didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're like, so when are you quitting? When are you quitting the art thing in the beginning? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> no, you well, don't like that's for life. And I was I'm fortunate wrong. to have some family members who very much defended that and would be like, no, wow. that's for life. But wow. no, it was tough in the beginning. There were family members who didn't get it. It's almost like there they were. want to know when you're going to get over this phase that you're in. Oh, yeah. A lot of people saw it as a phase or as some mm-hmm. silly daydream. And wow. But now, like, I won't even be at a family gathering and my sister will be like, oh, yeah, those family members that used to tell you it was a bad idea. Yeah, they were talking about what a brilliant business person you are during that family gathering oh, when wow. you were there. So, so it's changed. It's completely changed. So, yeah, in the beginning, it was tough. And there were a lot of people who didn't really get it, mm-hmm. um, who were very practical in their approach. And I think it came from a place of a lot of them didn't have support in life. Of course. Um, yeah. So they sort of had to be very practical in, like, what job they got, what they did. And even though that's no longer the case, like, now we do have that familial support. I think that generational trauma, you could say, was passed down to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, in the beginning, I think it was tough for some people to be like, you're an artist. What does that mean? The mm-hmm. only people I know who are artists, they'd be like, oh, but what about Van Gogh? And I'm like, that dude who died 150 years ago? Like, <laughs> how is that relevant? How is that relevant? You know, I'm like, the internet exists. Van Gogh didn't have TikTok. Maybe if he did, things would have been different. Who the heck knows? So, but now they are so supportive. Exactly. Like, now they are so supportive. They are some of the most supportive people. They all follow me. Like, all my grandparents got Instagram so they could follow me. Like, all of these grandparents in their 70s and 80s are, like, following me on social media. (laughs) They'll call me and be like, I loved your latest Instagram post, Dahlia. Like, Yeah, I'm really lucky to have that. So my family, even the ones that were questioning it a bit in the beginning, they always loved me and they just needed time, I think, to see like, oh, this is a real thing. And now that they're seeing me, they're like, oh, she has a lot of followers. Oh, she's making money. Oh, she has like a studio and people who know who she is. Like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, now they're they really get it. And I'm very lucky to have that. That's a big deal. So that's the advice I would give to people who their families don't get it. I'm like, if your family loves you, eventually they will. Yeah. eventually they will get it 
And if they don't, they didn't love you, which is an awful thing. But it's like if they if they never get it, I, that's very harsh. But it's just like if they love you, they'll they might be confused in the beginning and they might mm-hmm. criticize it. And that comes from a place of fear and caring. Mm-hmm. It really and does. And your life is yours. It is yours. You have to live your life for yourself. And eventually, if you live your life for yourself and confidently, you'll actually inspire the people around you who maybe were fearful to do it too. Yeah. And that's a big deal. And I see a lot of people now in my family are like, oh, I can also do the thing that I wanted to do. Yeah. A lot of friends say that. And I see that it's like the fact that I was confident in myself actually inspires others. So it's lonely at first, but then you sort of create a community of other like-minded people and you bring others up by bringing yourself up. Yeah. And you have to be so sure of yourself. And it's so important to, I think, be in touch with yourself and know what you want and not second guess that. Yeah. I always think like, when criticism hurts or when someone says something to you and it stings and sits with you, it's because you believe it a little bit. Yeah. You know? like 100%. Someone, I, I always think this because it's like if someone says, oh, my gosh, Brooke, you have such beautiful red hair. That comment's not going to stick with me at all because I'm going to be like, what are they talking about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, what do you mean? But if someone's like, oh, you know, such and such, whatever, something that just sticks with me. It's because you believe it a little bit and it weighs you down. And so you have to just become solid as a rock internally. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's so key in life to finding happiness and finding your own path. You know, Dolly, you said something there that that, that just, uh, you're just a fountain. I I feel like I could talk to you all day because you said something there. You were talking about, um, you know, doing the right thing and having that inspire other people. Mm -hmm. and. I don't, I'm not a religious person, but there are a few quotes from the Bible that I actually know because I think they apply to your daily life, even mm-hmm. if they're not in a religious sense. <laughs> and one of them, St. Francis has, there's a quote attributed often, I think it's St. Francis of Assisi who said it, or that it's said that he said it. And he said, he, he said at one point, he said, preach the gospel every day and if, sometime, and if necessary, use words. In other words, <laughs> yeah. go out go out and be the thing and show the thing and demonstrate to the world what the thing is and let people follow you for that. Don't sit there with a book and bang it and yell at them oh, yeah. and tell do the thing and let yeah. your actions be what preaches. And you basically just said the same thing. And it's, oh, it's yeah. funny. You've got to live it. You've got to live great, it. It's such a great timeless message to just say that I'm doing this thing and I, I, I'm going to show you how I'm going to live my life. And I hope I live my life so hard that you're going to be right behind me yes. living your life just as hard. And yeah. Damn it. I love when people say stuff like that because Thank you. that's the best way to get people inspired. It's not to tell them what to do. It's to show them. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with that. And that's what I say a lot. Like, like we talked about earlier, I'm Jewish and it's like, I have those values, but I never really talk about the values. I just live the Mm -hmm. values from Mm -hmm. it that are important to me. Mm -hmm. Like to me, it's about treating everyone as the most important person you'll ever meet. And I rarely talk about the fact that to me, I really learned that from my Jewish upbringing, but you know, I just live that I treat every person, whether it's a text message or a person who comes into the store when I'm working, I'm like, you are the most important person I will ever meet. And I'm going to treat you that way. And to me, that comes from that. So I'm like, but I'll never 
I mean, now I'm saying it on the podcast, but like, I don't <laughs> normally like bang a book about it and say, look, right. it comes from here. Like, right. that's not what's important. It's about living the values where it comes from doesn't matter. It matters that those are the conclusions you reach. I'm not a Torah scholar. I'm a good human. That's the, that's, that's really what it is. It's, it's amazing. I'm, sh- I'm showing you what to do by doing it rather than telling yeah, you what to That's what it's about. It's just about living it living it and people will be inspired and they'll live it too. And eventually if people ask me like, Oh, where do you learn certain things? I'll be like, Oh, I read it in this or that book, or I'm inspired by this or that person, but it's more important living it. That's my next question. Because, you know, one of the things I always like to ask when I see people who do stuff that's out there or a little more non-traditional like yours, I always like to ask, you know, who they consider inspirations because Sometimes the answers are interesting. It's like, you know, somebody who draws tentacles on top of green aliens might say that their inspiration is like Michelangelo. And it's like, okay, <laughs> you know, I, so I'm curious to know who, uh, who do you, who would you consider an inspiration or a model for, you know, your art or where, who do you think inspired your style or like, where mm-hmm. did it, or where's that origin? Wow, that is a good question, because I feel like my inspirations are separated between artists, entrepreneurs, and religious figures. Like, there, I, I would say those are like my three categories of people who inspire me, because those are three very separate things, but they all contribute to who I am as a person. I would say the biggest inspirations to me are entrepreneurs. Those are the people that made me realize you can follow your dreams and you can build reality and you don't have to be a starving artist. You can be an artist and be wow. really successful. So for me, it all started with Steve Jobs actually it goes back to him I watched Uh when I was yeah when I was in high school I watched his 2005 commencement speech at Stanford on YouTube Mm -hmm. and I was so inspired by it to anyone who hasn't seen it it's worth watching Mm -hmm. and it just it changed my life business school they made us watch that oh no way (laughs) so yeah, sorry if that makes you think about business school or anything. No, no, I, I really enjoyed business. School. Oh, okay, Very great, young. great. Yeah, yeah, so I watched that speech when I was in high school and I was like, wait, there's a different path. There is a different path than what my teachers, than what, you know, like parents, family, anyone has been telling me. There's a different path. And he was the first person who showed me that. No, and there's After- so much pressure. Oh, there's a lot of pressure. And I just saw, I was like, there's a different path and I am going to find it. And the moment I told myself the moment my personal projects are more inspiring to me than the art school projects, that is when I am dropping out. So since I was in high school, I was telling my family, I'm going to (laughs) drop out one day. So they were pretty prepared for it. In all honesty, since I was in high school, I was like, I'm going to drop out of college or high school. Be ready for it, you guys. After I watched Steve Jobs, I was like, it's going to happen. It's just going to happen. Fair warning, family. This is. This is why we're clicking, by the way, because I dropped I dropped out of college also. Oh, no I way. Did. It wasn't Club. it wasn't for me. I knew it wasn't for me very quickly. And I played out the string for like three and a half, three years, three and a half ish years. Wow. And I was just like, no, I can't I can't pretend I'm enjoying this or getting anything out of it anymore. And I just left. Yeah. yeah. Good for you. That's amazing. And not easy. It's not easy to abandon something that's sort of like a lot of people are telling you, oh, this is the path to success. And then suddenly you realize for me, it's not. Yeah, no, it's not. That's it wasn't scary, and you can be alone in that. It's not but you do it. You're miserable at the end. Yep. Yeah, yep. it's not the path for me. I was like, this art school is a conveyor belt to nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I felt about it. I was like, it's a conveyor belt to nowhere. So why am I sticking on this conveyor belt that's taking me literally nowhere for myself? So, mm-hmm. yeah. And then oh, we were talking about my inspirations. Another inspiration to me for a very long time was Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, I'm sure I'm not the only person who says that he's an inspiration to a lot of people who just like motivated me. Um, Tony Robbins is a big inspiration, of course. 
uh, amazing, like motivational speaker motivator. Um, I think people get Tony Robbins very wrong, by the way. Yeah, really tell do. me what you think about that. So I feel like I feel like they see him as like um, almost like a snake oil salesman. Like they put him in in like a class, almost like. Um, like preachers, like televangelists. Oh, interesting. And, and the people, you know, if you mentioned, because I think Tony Robbins is, I mean, I'm not like a big fan, but mm-hmm. every time I've ever seen him speak, it's like, this dude is amazing. Like he's, he's got his, he's got these perspectives on things. He's got a, mm-hmm. he's got a really clear vision. He's got a really clear way of explaining things. And it's like, I don't know, to kind of cheapen what he says, because he's doing like what would be called like motivational speaking. Yeah. I don't, know. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think if no, somebody has some meat to their bones, I think it's fine to have that kind of thing going on. But yeah. So I also, I saw him for the first time, uh, some YouTube video when I was in high school. And after that, I was like, okay, I like this guy. And now I've mm-hmm. like read some of his books. I was listening to a podcast of his today. And one of the best pieces of advice he gave, he was like, if you're stuck in imposter syndrome, it's because you're thinking about yourself rather than how you're serving oh. other people. Oh, and hell yeah. Wow. I have the quote for you on imposter syndrome that my therapist gave me and I've given it it to a lot of people. And when they hear it, it blows their mind. You know who never gets imposter syndrome? Who? Imposters. Mm -hmm. Whoa. And it blows people's mind when they hear it. Because I went through, I've talked about it on this show, but I went through a bout of imposter syndrome that was so bad. It was, if it had continued, I don't know how I would have ended up. Like, yeah. And it wasn't about like my work or my professional life or anything. It was about it was about what people thought of me and how I felt like I was a fraud. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I wasn't, but I felt like I was. And That's interesting. Yeah, and it I had to get over that, and I didn't even understand how screwed up I was over thinking wrongly about myself and wrongly about how I was perceived by others. Mm. And. Yeah, imposter syndrome is a very sore subject for me. And it's yeah. funny when people talk about it, I don't think they realize that it's not just like, oh, ho, ho, I'm, I have this this false humility that I don't belong here. Ho, ho. No, it's no, it's a very real thing. It's, it's very tough. Really powerful. Yeah, yeah. So I really like Tony Robbins perspective of it's like something that can help you get out of that is like, you know, you're going on a podcast, let's say, to talk about yourself with people. It can be very easy to be like, oh, my God, am I qualified for this? Am I qualified to give advice? But instead, I'm just like, how can I help someone? What can I say today that's actually going to serve people and help Mm -hmm. them? And coming in with that attitude, like, I didn't have any fear coming on. I was like, I'm talking with Brooke and Vincent, and I hope we can help some people with the things that we're saying. And that's been my focus. So I've never had a moment of like, oh, no, am I going to mess this up? I'm like, no, if I helped someone, it with anything I said today, even one sentence I said today, it was a good podcast. Yeah, for sure. And it's like, everyone's a human being. I'm just as qualified to be a human being. Mm-hmm. You're just as qualified to be a human oh, being yeah. as anyone else on the planet. So whatever your experiences are, any, like even silly little things you have to share, like that's you. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, I think people, I think people tend to back away from their experiences a, a little too much. Yeah, I think people are taught to abandon not so much who they are, but you know what they've learned through life. If they didn't learn the quote correct thing, mm-hmm. like you know, sometimes sometimes things just happen. Sometimes you learn things through through like experience. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, it's interesting because you were when you were talking about school and about the conveyor belt and how you were expected to go through school and 
I feel like that's part of it, right? You're you you learn through experience that oh, yeah. that art school wasn't for you, but yeah. if you wouldn't have that experience if you didn't go to art school. That's true. <laughs> you, know, you know, it's it's the same for so many things. You only know that they don't work once you try them. Yeah, sometimes it's, that can be the case. You know, there's so many things that we're taught as little kids, like you don't know you're going to like it until you try it. And you go, okay, yeah, dad, whatever. But when you're an adult, you go, damn it, that's really true. (laughs) (laughs) Dad was smart. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really, I mean, so this is what's really funny. And I'm just going to say it outright because we're probably going to shift over to things of the week soon. But I have to say this what the stuff you said today, is totally not the vibe I expected from you. Really? Totally oh, no here for it. I was ex- <laughs> I was honestly expecting more of like a flighty, stonery kind of like <laughs> That's you know, so funny. Psychedelic, like, yeah, man, I'm like a hippie. And no, Dolly is driven, man. Oh yeah. yeah. No, I'm Dolly like full entrepreneur. <laughs> you are you are just one bad bitch, and I can't wait Thank to you. have you on this <laughs> podcast again. I absolutely can't wait. I am. Um, you have swore. You've sweared, swore two times. I'm just keeping tally. Just wanted to. Say. I just said the s word and bitch. Bitch is not a bitch is not a swear word. I anyway. just want to point that out. <laughs> Swearing is, is in the eye of the beholder. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, and if I jump back and edit it, maybe. But you know what? No worries. Think, no worries. It's all I don't good. Think Apple's going to ding us for a few B's and a couple of and one random S. So I yeah, and it was used okay. in a positive context, which is very different. I would say. Exactly. So I'm all sure good. App- I'm pretty sure there's a couple of Apple podcasts with the B word in the actual title of the Probably. podcast. Probably. So. Wow. This oh, that's is, so funny. This is that's just so funny that I wasn't the vibe that you expected. That's just so fascinating to me. Not going to lie. Not only were you not the vibe I expected, but I am just like totally blown away and I'm totally like crushing right now. I'm absolutely Aww. like, you are just, you're awesome. Brooke thank you. was 100% right with every was, good thing she said about I you. Oh, like, thank you, Brooke. Oh, absolutely, Dahlia. Anytime. But I was, I was like, I really do think that you guys will get along. Or Vincent, you said oh, yeah. you're having a little bit of a rough day, and I was thinking, oh, yes. like, I really think that the fact that today's the podcast is going to be perfect. <laughs> yeah, I'm really happy that we're talking, and I hope that this like has lifted you up a bit and has lifted anyone who's listening. I really hope oh. so. So, speaking of lifting people up, the last thing I wanted to bring up before we go over to things of the week is, so out of nowhere, the the way I found out about you, Dahlia, was that you and Brooke started doing this incredible collab together. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. It's the collab that never ends, I will add. Yeah. So, we have to talk about this a little bit. So, why don't, since both of you are involved, I'm just going to put my hands on my head here, and I'm going to lean back, and we'll let you all tell the story. All right. I think we should start with how you and I connected, Brooke. Yeah. Dahlia just wandered into the makerspace one day. Oh, yeah. I just was going. I was interested in laser cutting. And I just looked up hashtag laser cutting on Instagram. And there is Brooke making some really cool stuff. And I was like, hi, I wonder where this place is. It's in Maynard. What? I was like, that's like half an hour for me. That's so close. So I message her and we talk and I come in and we connected and we're like, wow, not only are we creating together, now we're friends. How cool. We talked for like two hours, I think the first time. Oh, we did. Yeah. It was a lot more than just like like, a tour. (laughs) I I was like, I was like, I have somewhere to run. But I was like, no, I kind of want to just hang here now because, like, it was so great. <gasps> it was awesome. You. Yeah. But I think you literally walked in off the street, or we might have like DM'd her. Well, yeah, no, we or... we planned it. We planned it. Okay. You were like coming at eleven a.m. whatever, and then we walked in, and yeah, yeah. And I remember you had like a you had like a florette, like not a fluorescent. That's not the word. Um, 
I can't find the word. You had like you had like a shiny puffer jacket on. And like, Probably and like, and like a TikTok beanie, and you were like, "Hey, I'm on TikTok," and I was like, "I love this girl." <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, I have TikTok yeah. sense merch on occasion, and it's fun yeah. to wear. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. And but um, I have been wanting to do um, I love vintage medical drawings, and I've been wanting to do a laser cut um anatomical heart from a, like a from a medical drawing and I'm not a drawer. I do, I do digital fabrication. So I'm great on the computer with that type of thing, but I had been trying to render a heart from a vintage medical drawing and I just, it wasn't getting it quite right. And I'd been working on it for a really long time. And so then like Dolly and I connected and I randomly was like, Ooh, Dolly draws and I've seen her style. And so I just floated it by Dolly. I was like, Hey, like if you ever feel like it, no pressure, but I really want to do this anatomical heart thing and I could use help with the sketch. Yeah. Mm. And Brooke has helped me with so much. Like there was one night I was planning, I teach Hebrew school sometimes and I needed to do a Hebrew school class last minute. I was like, girl, can you help me with something last minute, like 10 PM (laughs) on a weeknight? And she was like, yeah, I was like, okay, Brooke (laughs) is always in my corner. Like you're always helping me out. I was like, you know what? I am so happy to do that too. And just like do stuff that is great for both of us. So it was so fun to just like, I don't draw a lot of anatomy these days, but I used to. So it was fun (laughs) to just like do this anatomical heart. I did it in procreate, just like drew on my iPad and it was really fun. And it's really cool to see Brooke manifesting it into like this physical cool item that I couldn't have created. And it's like, it's there because of both of us. I'm so bad at like explaining what I was doing either. So like half the time I was sitting there thinking like, does Dolly even get what I'm asking her? I don't know, whatever. <laughs> but we called, we just, you know, we called one day, I think on a whim or something. Like I started oh, yeah. some new ideas and then we just ended up on the phone bouncing drawings back and forth. Yeah. <laughs> Until we had right. one that we agreed on and we were both like, Yes. And I loved it. It's been so I fun getting texts from Brooke being like, update, here's the resin, update, here's the wires. It's been so cool. <laughs> I'm so excited about it. And, and I did a test cut for the laser cut file. Um, when you're laser cutting things, everything needs to connect. Well, I mean, it doesn't <laughs> need to, but for what I was doing, everything needed to connect. So I like test cut this mirrored piece and I'm so excited to give you that, Dahlia. Cause I'm so excited to have it. I'm. That's just so amazing to have this collab. And it's so fun you know, it's really great to just talk to people that you're on the same level with that you can communicate really easily. And I feel like we're very good at communicating with each other about creative ideas and everything else. So it's been so fun. I have to get my act together and get all the content edited, but at this point, oh, good. it's done. And that's I'm amazing. With it, it's my favorite thing I've made in such a long time. Oh, that makes and me I happy. Love that it's with you, Dahlia. <laughs> yeah, I love that too. It's, it's so, so cool. I'm so excited. We're gonna do like a little photo shoot next week with it. I think yes, so. We are amazing. So I couldn't do it today because I went to the makerspace with no makeup on and like my sweats and stuff. Know, and I was like, this. Yeah. I was like, this just isn't the day. <laughs> but you go, Dahlia. <laughs> Yeah. Dahlia texted that she was going to be at the makerspace. And I was like, well, perfect timing. I just finished the heart. And then immediately she was Big like, crying no. emojis. I was like, yeah. nope, can't Pain be today. <laughs> I was like, I have like half of eyeliner on one of my eyes. I have no make, like I'm wearing my sweatpants. It's just, mm, no, today's not the day. So the internet, the internet better stay tuned because oh, there's yeah. content coming. There is. And it's going to be great. In the future on the Makers Works at Makers Workshop LLC on Instagram and uh, at Deli Roz. Dot Roz on Instagram. Oh, sorry. I got it wrong. All good. All good. Yeah. D-A-H-L-I-A dot R-A-Z. Which, of course, will be in the show notes for everyone listening. Yeah. We don't make you have to write anything down. We're nice that way. <laughs> yeah. 
Cool. You guys, you, you guys really just gave me a little boost today, and I really oh, appreciate it. Oh, that's wonderful. That, so. Got you, uh, Vincent. Yeah, we Dahlia, do. My dear, it is time for things of the week, and we always let the guests go first. So, I, so just just to peel back the curtain a little bit, open the kimono, as I always used to like to say. What? Um, people, <laughs> people always ask, when we tell them they got to bring a thing of the week. They feel like it's a lot of pressure. And it's like, no, you don't understand. Thing of the week could literally be anything. I mean, we had... I tell them the truth. You know, Brandy Obey came in and said transcendental meditation was her thing of the week. And then Lee from Time Riders, We Little Cars came on and said that Utz cheese balls were his thing of the week. So we have literally had the whole gamut of things of the week. So Dahlia, what is your thing of the week? (laughs) My thing of the week, my new obsession, the thing I've been telling everyone about is decluttering my studio. (laughs) I have been listening to decluttering YouTube videos. I listened to not one, two audiobooks about organizing and decluttering. I have never been this person before, but I was like, if I want to achieve what I want, I need to get rid of things. I need Mm. to declutter. I need to organize. So I have been like obsessive about decluttering, which has never been my thing. I've never been that person. And now I am now it's like, I'll pick up the phone to talk to my grandma and be like, guess what I've been doing organizing. She's like, again, I'm like, yup, that's my thing now. <laughs> it's it's interesting because one of the side effects of moving has been it's an I've been taking it as an opportunity to yeah. you know to to streamline things. You know, I threw away a lot of stuff where I was like I was holding you know, and as makers, you know, we tend to hold on to things. Oh yeah. Because you see potential in everything. Ever. We need it at some point. Yeah. Exactly. You never know. I had a bag <laughs> I had a bag of screws from something that I put together. I don't even know what the bag was from. I have no idea. It was extra screws, probably something from IKEA because I, I hate to say it. I'm a little bit embarrassed, but I'm kind of not. I love IKEA furniture. I, I do too. You're style. in good company. Yeah, I'm at an IKEA the desk st- right now. The style <laughs> is so my language. I just wish some of it was a little better made, but the style itself, I'm here for it. Totally yeah. here for it. And I have all these little bags of like bolts and stuff. And I'm like, I don't know what these are even from or why I kept them. Like, don't wait. You you put the piece together. It's not falling apart. Throw everything left away. Like, that's it. You're done. But yeah, we keep everything. We're all hoarders at heart. But yeah, so sort of the thing that I've been addressing with myself is like, now that I sort of have a clear vision of what I'm creating, what are I made a list of what are the art supplies I'm using in 2022. And I'm limiting myself to that. That's so I was like, one. if it's not on the list, I'm getting rid of it. If it's not on wow. the list, I just can't anymore. I can't. And if it's easy to replace and not that expensive, worst case scenario, yeah. I go out and buy it again. And yeah. that's sort of what I learned. I used to be so bad at decluttering because I'd be like, oh, but what if I need it? And I'm like, Dahlia, it's like a $5 duct tape from 2010 that you hate. Let me ask you a question. Okay, I got to ask you a question because you and I think the same way. Now I want to see how similar we are. How, what no was pressure. your money situation growing up? You don't have to get into details, but would, where where on the class scale would you consider middle class, little less than middle class, higher than middle class? Like, where were you on the financial scale? I have a theory on this. It's why I'm asking. Hmm. I, I would say middle class. Okay. So we were ever so slightly below middle class. Mm-hmm. So if we had something, you held on to it for dear life because you don't know if you'd ever be able to afford it again. Hmm. And the fear of losing something or getting rid of something and then never being able to have it again 
is definitely something wow. that even as an adult, I it still like have with you. Yeah. That's yeah, interesting yeah. for me. It comes from like an emotional place. A lot of the times, like I was very mm-hmm. emotionally attached to objects as a kid. Like when my dad had to get a new car, I cried over his old car. There's I a picture too. of me at eight years old, sitting on a dishwasher and crying because it didn't work anymore. Oh like I was a God. kid who was always very attached to things in a yeah. sort of irrational way, I would say. And it's, <laughs> or I don't know if irrational is the right word, it's but it didn't make a lot of sense it was just like thank you vincent and i were just talking about this earlier today because i get attached to places okay that's very i (laughs) appreciate that i totally yeah where it's just like there's a sense of comfort in it it's like oh this is what i know this is like you know at eight years old i was like this is the only dishwasher i've ever known so (laughs) i'm attached to it even if it doesn't make a lot of sense so there's i have to send you guys the picture it's too good it's too good i'd love to see it I will send it over. Don't you guys worry. <laughs> that is absolutely amazing. I, I don't know what's more amazing that I want to I want to see what the dishwasher looked like, like if it's worth crying over or if I want to see a very average crying. dishwasher. It's worth crying over. That was Dahlia's truth. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you. I feel like sometimes I invalidate, you know, my childhood feelings, but I'm like, no, that was very valid. That's how I felt at the time. You was upset, okay? Life was never going to be the same ever again. Mm -mm, I I still have and just moved my first teddy bear and my first stuffed animal. So I still have my childhood. I still have my stuffed animals from when I was a kid. Yeah, I'll I'll never part. There's, there's. I don't have all of them, but these are the two that I will (laughs) never part with. Like, and that's okay. They will bury me with them. Like somebody one day will bury me with it. Yeah, that sounds really comforting. Oddly, I don't know if that's a weird thing to say, but I just said it. Yeah. yeah, you know, there's a there is your a feelings are valid too. Thank you yeah. guys. Thank you. Okay. Yes. Brooke, you've officially been validated. Wow. Yep. So, so either got we're you. all valid either we're all very validating or we're all weirdos, one or the well, other. As we've established <laughs> or we're both. all people and we are all equally as qualified to comment on being a person. Love that. <laughs> what That's a like, good way so. of putting it. <clears throat> I have a feeling there's gonna be an art piece about this coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Brooke, your thing of the week, please. Yes. My thing of the week is vintage fabric. Love and I've it. been finding so much inspiration. I've actually been finding so much inspiration in general from found objects and found material. And there's mm. something that I find so compelling about, like I work on digital tools all day and I love like taking something vintage and old school and then working it with the like quote unquote high tech machine. And then like turning it into something new again. Mm -hmm. And I've just been particularly drawn to vintage fabric. I have a bunch of fabric projects that I'm looking forward to doing this year. Um, It's been a little bit slower going this year, but I'm so excited to dive into. um, I have a a pile of beautiful vintage upholstery fabric sitting in my basement waiting to be used. Um, that's reclaimed and stuff like that. And that's so yeah. cool. Wait, where do you get the fabric? Where do you get all of this so fabric? The, the fabric, this particular fabric um, is from a family home, like an old home mm-hmm. um, that's, that was in Michael's family. So it, it needed to be like demolded and stuff like that. And otherwise I think it was just sitting, but yeah. So I, that's, it's, it's sentimental as well, but I also yeah. just love, it, it's like this raw material is just sitting there. It's not being used for anything. Like wow. why not, why not make what's old new again? Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. That's so cool. I've watched your videos of you laser cutting the fabric and it's sick. It's so cool. I want to do so much more of it. I also love the, I love geometric patterns 
and stuff. Again, I can't draw, but I like digital fabrication and I feel like the two are linked, but I love like vintage colors and just the, the bold prints and stuff just make you smile. Yeah. Brooke, I feel like we have more collabs in our future. We have so many. Definitely. Oh, yeah. I love collabs. <laughs> we can do it anytime. The heart is bomb and everyone. I'm so excited to see us. it. It's so it's- cool. Yeah, it's 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 sick. It's it's. I sent it to you too, Vincent, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. cool. I'm so yeah, excited. It, it's sick. I am. We're all I, in on this on this joke. On yeah, joke. we're all in yeah. on this. But if you're listening right now, you'll be in on it too. Once I yeah, stay tuned, you guys. Let's Very soon, Brooke together. will get around to dra- dragging everybody else into the joke too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool. My thing of the week, and in honor, and uh, well, let's. I'll do the first one. I'll do the first one. Um, My first one is something that's an oddball cooking ingredient that people may, may, may or may not have tried, but I highly recommend you try it because it's one of the first things I bought when I realized I had. One of the things you don't realize when you when you split from someone you've been married to for a long time is how much crap you kept that you didn't understand was like a thing you had to buy at some point. Mm -hmm. So like. You know, I've had to rebuy like a frying pan. <laughs> like I haven't thought about a frying pan. You know, you think about it after a while when they get really beat up, but it's like, oh no, we need two of these now. Okay, she's going to take that. Okay, I need to get one now. And one of the things was black garlic. Trader mm-hmm. Joe's, who everyone knows I love Trader Joe's, but one of my favorite things at Trader Joe's is a little shaker of um, granulated black garlic. And if you've never cooked with black garlic or I tasted haven't. black garlic, I didn't even it know is, it was a thing. It is I knew wonderful. it because on Bob's Burgers, there's an episode where they use it. Oh, okay. Oh. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> basically what it is, it's fermented garlic and it's got this intense garlic and bitterness flavor Whoa. to it. What do you use it, it in? So, okay. My favorite thing to use it is I like to set up the crock pot and then put a, I don't know, maybe about an inch and a half of water in it. And then- I set up a bunch of short ribs and I put um, onion powder, garlic powder, uh, black garlic, and a bunch, a lot of salt. And I just braise them all day long. And then when I come home, oh my God, they are delicious. I have the greatest, I, it took me three or four tries to nail the recipe. Just keep experimenting, experimenting it. And the the one thing that kicked it up was the black garlic. Because once I got it, I was like, well, I'm throwing everything else and let's see what flavor this adds. And the flavor on the top after it roasts on the meat, to die for. Absolutely gonna, to die for. I'm going to Trader Joe's this week, Vincent. I'm going to get some. It's wonderful. And then next week on the podcast, I'll let you know. All I right. need to buy some too. I'll keep you guys updated. <laughs> it's I, I don't I don't yes. I don't love it as much by itself, but cooked With onto things. something, it's okay. it's phenomenal. All it's, right, I'm trying this out. Let's do it. it. Yep, it's it's good, and you you will love it, and you will go. I can't believe it's. I feel the same way about there about black garlic as I do about white pepper. White pepper is something love white don't pepper. Appreciate. My new obsession as well. If I had two things of the week, I'd probably throw white pepper in there as well. Seriously. (laughs) It is amazing. In fact, um, one of the secret ingredients for most really good fried chicken um, dredges is white pepper. Really? Yep. People for me, it's like in it. Asian cooking, I like white pepper. Like if I'm making a good hot and sour soup, white pepper is the secret ingredient. I swear. Oh. White pepper okay. and Sichuan peppercorn. Ooh. <laughs> I've never had Sichuan peppercorns. It's good stuff. Ooh. When I got I got a 
um, one of the things I love, my favorite thing is to get a pepper grinder. I hate like pre-ground pre, um, pepper. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I love is getting rainbow peppercorns because I love the, the contrast in flavors between the green, the pink, and the black um, pepper. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. I, I, I love stupid little details. I'm weird. I obsess over little details with food, like trying to find that perfect little zets of extra stuff. And it makes it's a just- difference. As they say, God is in the details. Some people say that. (laughs) He absolutely is. In the back Uh, of counters being stained. Yes. I have another thing of the week, though. Let's hear um, it. The other thing of the week is the former co-host of this podcast kicked out a YouTube video this week. Oh. Uh, Actually, the 15th. (laughs) I missed it last week. My bad. But it came out after we recorded or something like that. But he did a leather rubik's cube whoa ethan crushed it it's really cool i loved it and and one of the things i love about the way he did this was instead of going to like weaver or one of the leather suppliers and getting like a a square punch Mm -hmm. he actually made a jig for cutting the squares to fit in the rubik's cube and he he showed how to how he made the jig and how he lined everything up and he demoed it the, you know, he just did it for the first time and it fit perfectly. That's so and cool. Then, I'm assuming he didn't have enough colors of leather. So to not make one side really different, he put his logo on each square and he carved it out with the cricket. Yeah. And I was like, wow. this is just one of the coolest cricket things. Yeah. The attention to detail was awesome. It's spot mm-hmm. on. It's That's very, great. It's a very Ethan video. Mm-hmm. It's a very, uh, you know, Ethan's, Ethan's trademark for a long time has been unnecessary leather. This is Love unnecessary that. and awesome. Like, I'm excited absolutely to see awesome. it. We, I actually jokingly told him, I think it was yesterday, I said, Bud, this is probably going to be your next leather exacto. Like, because he makes mm. leather wrapped exacto knives that are just killer, because exacto knives suck. Yeah. They really just they, suck. They don't stay in your hand well. Yep. That's and true. They, they're too skinny and they're not fun to hold. And he makes, huh. I have one of his early leather exactos. Does and he I still, still make those? to this day use it. Yes, he does. Yeah. Okay, because my boyfriend uses X-Acto knives so much. He does a lot of collage work. So, oh, oh. all right, good to know. You, you need to get Dan you need to get him one, one of these. Yeah, he would. It'd be an awesome gift because it's like yes. And actually, Dolly Ethan's from Massachusetts as well. No way. Yes, That's so cool. He's from Dedham. Oh, yeah. wow, not far. Yeah. Not far at all. I mean, Massachusetts has horrible traffic. yeah i feel like like a lot of people that live in like suburban boston it's like oh yeah you live three towns over Hmm." only half an hour away yeah six hours hours later and you're almost there yeah (laughs) yeah so ethan's video is called how to make a leather rubik's cube and of course that will be in the show notes so yeah ethan you're not here but you're here in spirit my friend and um yeah that was a great video i I gotta tell you it's one of my favorite things he's made in a long time it's just that's cool stunning so that is that's our thing of the week you know what we also have some people to thank because there are people who make this show financially possible and those people include leanne and nick from hemlock and hyde dave from atomic airship works emily joyce ed from ed's clocks and more rory from rll woodworks and diy chris of full steam designs jeff stein aka a weird guy debbie haddock jerry hyduke joey from jh custom woodcraft Dean DePlantis, Jacob Anguiano of Maker Cuisine, Robert J. Keller, Scott from Dad It Yourself DIY, the one and only Grant Alexander, Tony Langer from Langer Works, Jacob from Other Dog Designs, Jake from Make With Jake, Big Al Schultz from New York Woodworks, Justin Ofler, Bear Maked, Greg from Platte Valley Woodworks, Adam Mackey, Maker Mackey, and The Clamp Podcast. 
Kim and Garrett, Andrew Richard from Andrew Richard Makes, Kellen Hazlip of Kellen Makes, David from Southern Style DIY, Jeff, the Weekend DIYer, Sean Warworth the Pro- from the Proper Tools Podcast, Chris Raley of Route 9 Signs, Henry Davis of HT1 Metalworks, and of course, Austin Saunders, the High Caliber Craftsman. If you have the means, we would appreciate any financial support you'd like to kick over to the show. You can do that at buymeacoffee.com. Or if you can't support the show financially, hey, that's fine too. Feel free to share the show, tell other people about it, turn other people onto it. And hey, if you have an idea for a guest like my co-host did this week and she turned out to be amazing, um, feel free to uh, suggest guests and we'll be more than happy to take a look and see if they're a good fit for the show. And leave us a review. Reviews help a lot. They get people who do research on us to see if we're a podcast worth coming on. They see those reviews and they go, these guys are legit. So all of that stuff helps the show, and we, we appreciate the support in any form that you are able to provide it. Dahlia, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you. It has been so much fun. Thank you, Vincent. Thank you, Brooke. This has just been amazing, and I hope to talk to you guys soon. I, I, I guarantee we'll be talking again. I have to ask you a question, though. I'm curious. Are we your first podcast? No, I've been on two <sighs> other podcasts. I feel so <laughs> deflated right now. But this now. is the third podcast. How cool is that? That's a nice number, too. It's right. a magic number. Exactly. Hey, it was Babe Ruth's number. There's nothing wrong with that. Exactly. So just as awesome. And it's been a while since I've been on a podcast. It's probably been like at least a year since I've been on a podcast. So pretty. You have tons, you have tons of cool stuff to talk about. Yeah. It's fun. It's you, really you fun. Watching the window display, and I was like, "Yep, you deserve to talk about this and have a moment." Thank of you. I really appreciate that, Brooke. Thank you. Uh, Thank you for bringing me on. I feel like we should invite ourselves to Brooke and Michael's house, and there should be a bonfire in the backyard, and we can all sit there with blankets and just chat until the wee hours of the morning. Because I have a feeling we would... talk about hosting that at some point once the weather gets better. That oh. sounds excellent. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah I'm, there. I'm totally there. <laughs> We've invited That's ourselves, cool. Brooke. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're coming okay, over. We're coming over. Hopefully, you'll be ready for it. <laughs> <laughs> we're pretty low key. Awesome. Well, a tiny little cabin in the back of the woods where no one can see. (laughs) Is that where you live or is that our house? Oh, no, I definitely don't live there. I do live on a dead end street now, though, which is kind of cool because I don't have to hear tuners driving by at all hours, which is kind of awesome. Yeah. That's going to do it this week, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. We will have, of course, we will have Dahlia's links in the show notes so you can go follow her. And you definitely should follow her because she's making some amazing stuff, some beautiful art. And she's a really interesting human, as I learned tonight. And that's even better than the art. So have a great week, everybody. We will be back again next week. I don't know who the guest is or what we're going to be talking about or who we're going to be talking to. But one way or the other, Brooke and I will be here. And we hope to see you then. Have a good week, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye.